So hello there, and welcome to Casually Profound. I'm Lauren McLean, an astrologer, artist, soul communicator, and your host for today's conversation. As always, we're bringing chats with friends about how we apply spiritual concepts into our everyday lives. Now, what makes these conversations special is that although we are talking about our unique personal experiences, nobody's claiming to be an expert in this. We're gathering as a group of peers to discuss phenomenon that we see in ourselves and the world around us. The beautiful thing about bringing together a group of equals is that you are always welcome to join this conversation. If there is a conversation topic that just really turns you on, please send us a message on Instagram at casuallyprofound and we'll build a conversation out from there. Now, today we are talking about kind of the grand scheme of reality creation. This is a bit of a nebulous topic, but we are, the three of us today are me, Melissa, and Shauna are coming in uh, having just recently been through P the Fury's Create Your Dream Job container. A big part of the container was deciding what, who, and what you are embodying and aligning your values, aligning your body and aligning your mind into being able to act and move and react from that desired self um, in, in the area of career. Of course, the techniques that P was introducing in this in this container go beyond just career. That was the way we were applying it. And so I know for myself, Shauna has also been on the podcast before discussing P the Fury's container as well. Um, that for myself, this has applied well beyond just career. Of course, career has been a phenomenal way to experience um, such an applied lesson, but the overall experience has been fascinating since then. It certainly did not end on the last day. It has continued and continued um, delivering lesson after lesson, I have found. So hello and welcome, uh, Melissa and Shauna. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really, really excited to have this conversation with you guys. I would love to hear a story from a time in your life where the the masterpiece has become broken where the dissonance has been injected and like things did not go according to plan but then you know it revealed itself to be the master plan like the masterpiece in the end i can start <laughs> mm. uh that week in december of uh 2022 when my lover died by suicide my in the process of becoming ex-husband took our dog, our car and locked me out of the house. And then my mother died. So all of that happened in one week. I lost everything that I had thought was my life and thought it was over. Um, but I mean, thanks to people like P I was like, Oh, I did this. I did this. This is my game. This is going to work for me somehow. I didn't even really want to play this old game anyways. Um, and it all did work out. Um, this lover of mine was in such a dark space that I would have given every ounce of my life to this person and killed myself. Um, had I stayed with a guy I married also would have just been drained of light. Um, and my mother and I had the opportunity to heal our relationship before she left the body. And then she left me all of the money she worked her life for. So then I could start my life over again. Um, and here I am in Mexico living my dream life, like, like literally doing this podcast right now is the thing, this dog, like I lost my dog. I found her online. Uh, long story. Wasn't supposed to have her cause she ended up getting adopted out, but then she came back and now I have her. 
Um, so like every aspect of life that I had dreamed of living in my daydreams while not living the life I wanted to live is now here. I am, I am living that. Um, so, so that was my tower moment. That was my moment of like <laughs> on the violin and everything had to stop so that I could just start all over again. And I, I honestly would not want it any other way. I feel like That's only, a, only a Pisces could live through that. And, <laughs> and be yeah. Yeah. Just like straddling that line between life and death perfectly. Yeah. Uh, yes. I oh. wouldn't argue that. Thank you. <laughs> but now I'm like a master at creating reality and I can't wait to, to like deliver this to every little space in the world that has space for it because, Mm. um, that was a hell of a game to have played. And I learned a lot from it. It's wicked. Mm. And do you believe in the, in, in the, the belief system that like you chose you chose that game before you came. Hell yeah. Here. Hell yeah. 100%. Yep. And the, in the, in the spaces where that didn't feel true, I made it true because I knew that it was the only way I was going to get through something like that is if mm-hmm. I believed I had all the power, I needed all my power to get out of it. And so I, I had to believe that I used all my power to create it. Um, this was all me and mine. How, how does this, how does this scary part in the movie end up being like the end where Rose gets to die in the ocean the way she always wanted to? Like it, it, it does become a happy ending at some point. Um, only if I make it, I could let this, this destroy me. I could continue to be a victim who's had this, 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 and this happen to them, or I could use it to empower me. Um, I've had a hell of a lot of experiences in life that make me believe none of this is real. And if I didn't have all those wild experiences, I wouldn't have been able to use that knowledge to get through that very real life moment of everything I knew just being ripped away from me. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes, absolutely. I did all of that. And I think only a Pisces can say that. (laughs) Yeah. How do you reconcile? And you may not even need to or, or want to, but, um, you said something around like the belief that none of this is real. Mm. How do you reconcile the fact that none of this is real, but then you have those very real moments because that's how the game works. Mm. The game is to believe it's real when you're playing it. And the only way you have power of creating the game you're playing is if you also know that none of this is real. Mm. One foot in each. Yes. Yes. Um, if, if this was real, then you couldn't time travel. But it's not real. And I can time travel because it's not real. Mm. I have, I have time traveled. 
you guys all have. We've all done the timeline jumping. It's it is this is how this is what time travel looks like in 2023. Um and you can't tell me it's not real. Hmm. And I guess I I don't know. This is this is a larger, grander story that Lauren and I are exploring um, how to tell, but there was a time in my life where my computer screen turned blue and said, congratulations, you have been unplugged from the matrix. And I was doing a bunch of yoga and found myself um, in the psych ward. And I did not know what was real, but I also did know what was real. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that, like, that actually happened. I don't know how to explain it. But if I try to explain it, then it all falls apart. If I just keep playing with it as if like, okay, that happened. Now what? Um, then it continues to be fun and it continues to be malleable. And I continue to feel like I have power within my experience, not necessarily power over it, but in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there is definitely a distinction between power in it and power over it I'm in the game yeah you didn't right? make the game I did but not right now you like right now I'm in it it was another timeline and another dimension somewhere else when I made it so th- yeah that that's the power over it but I relinquished that in order to be in it mm-hmm And I think that's where we get all fucky with our reality creation is when we think we have control over it, control over people, control over the external experience of it rather than control within it. Mm -hmm. And do you think that's where belief in like a higher power comes into play Mm -hmm. and helps us stay Mm -hmm. in it as opposed to over it? Mm -hmm. Whatever you say is real is real. Whatever you say is true is true. And faith is actually what gets you through. So make up something Mm -hmm. and believe it and then act like you believe it. If I tried to convince myself that my computer screen did not unplug me from the matrix, um, then I, I would, I would, I would be like, I would be breaking myself. Mm. because my body believes that happened. And if I keep trying to tell myself it didn't, then where am I? What did happen? So I had to pick one. Yeah, this happened. Yeah. (laughs) And I believe it. And now I live a really cool experience of life because I decided all that shit was real. I mean, I tell you that people in the hospital do not want you to believe that shit was real. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that. <laughs> and they will drug you until you believe what they say is true. And so I was like, well, if this is a game, I'll trick them into thinking that I'm okay enough to leave. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. literally my experience was like, I'm going to play the game of getting out of the hospital. I'm going to make you believe that I know what the fuck I'm talking about. And they did. And they let me loose into the world, which was whatever that is. But uh, yeah, I ha- I just, faith, faith. If it's a peanut butter jelly in the sky that creates everything, then fucking believe it. Worship it. 
like I I I, I like to use Trump as an example because uh, it's a very obvious example. Like, there's not really much you can argue about that. Um, he did not do directly wonderful things for like pretty much anybody in the world. By proxy, yes, we're all learning from that and making changes. But he was able to do everything that he did for as long as he did because he believed. <coughs> he believed in himself. He believed in his own version of higher power and his own power. Nobody could tell him he was wrong. And so he created a reality for himself that he believed was possible. None of us believed it was possible. Another four years? Are you fucking kidding me? A wall? Seriously? Like, and then, like, they stormed the Capitol? Like, that was not real. Except it was because he believed it. So I think that's the power of belief right there. It doesn't matter what you believe, but if you believe it strongly enough and act from that place, you will have whatever experience of reality you believe you can have. Mm -hmm. And do you think we have a ethical or moral obligation in the beliefs that we choose because they do rub up against other people that are playing the game? I think only if that is a rule that you have applied to your game because you can still get whatever you want unethically according to blank, right? Like ethics are personal. So if you decide that you are going to operate in your game by these certain set of standards and you believe mm -hmm. that that will give you X, Y, Z, then you have to do that because you set that mm -hmm. as your rules. Mm-hmm. And then that means that your rules apply to everybody else too. And so that's where, to me, ethics gets dissonance because if ethics is like a standard that you live by, that is the rules of your game, everybody else also has to live by that. And they don't like people can do whatever they want. Like Trump still lives in your experience and he does not follow your code of ethics. So then, mm -hmm. so then now it's like conflict in realities and conflict in internal versus external experiences, which is fun and fine if that's the kind of game you want to play. But if you throw ethics out the window and say everybody can just do whatever they want, then, then you also can do whatever you want. Mm. And I think that if it exists, it's okay. If you did make this game, you put it in here. Why are you hating on the things that you put in your game for? Like maybe you don't have to play with it, but you don't have to like not want it there or, or feel anything for it, right? Attention creates things. So if you put your attention on shit you don't actually want, then you're going to get more of that. I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. I do. I guess in my head at the moment, I'm playing with this idea of like, we're individuals playing a game, but we're playing with, well, I mean, you could argue with the 7 billion other people or with 12 other people, depending on what you, yeah, <laughs> what you want to believe in. Um, yeah. And like if, if your game requires that you follow your standard of ethics, 
then everybody else does too. And you have to, if you want that to be a rule of your game, you have to be okay with whatever everybody else's version of ethics are. Because that's the course, only way course. that your statement can be true for everything. Mm. We follow our ethics and everyone's ethics are okay. And when they rub up against you, that's your problem. That's your opportunity to play with the tension on that string of ethics. Mm-hmm. And then it gets like super abstract. Who's going? I feel like the Lighter traditional hair. definition of ethics is much more akin to like everybody needs to follow the same thing. And so I'm curious if maybe there's a different word that describes that experience um, in a more like effective way to talk about when like the the idea when everybody like adheres to their own rules and everybody's rules are okay because I don't think it's that is actually ethics in in like the academic sense no, of like what no, it's not. the study of ethics are um I like I so I'm curious Melissa what your experience of ethics as like it was your question like what is your experience of your question what is your hypothesis that you're working working yeah I guess um I'm just teasing it out but I guess I guess it was interesting like the Trump example was super interesting right Mm -hmm. so that was and as you say that's a very that was a very clear example of someone believing in themselves so strongly my will be done you know and his will was done um and I think there's a lot of examples of, of that. Um, I guess where I'm tr- where I'm trying to go, or what I'm what I'm thinking about, is the current climate that we live in. Of where I feel like we're trying to get to a place where everyone's rules are okay if you just enjoy your own rules, but we're in a we're in that tension phase collectively of trying to work that out. Um, so it's not even that I've got a question. It's more just intriguing to apply this individual conversation to like the macro mm-hmm. of like, yeah. and I think also, I guess it's interesting to think about the rules of your game in relation to, the collective rules that have been made on this plane and the society that we live in right now in terms of um, the skin suit that you cho- chose to come in and play in. Rules such as what? Um, and how we've applied, like, a lot of rules to that, um, to your outward-facing avatar, let's say. Um, and I guess that's where I was kind of going with that line of questioning is, like, It is, there's, there is a belief and there have been social truths, let's say, that depending on the avatar that you chose to come and play this game in, it could be easier or harder to mm-hmm. embody the beliefs um, and embody the truth that you have. Um, Maybe easier yeah. or harder to um, live out or to see outside of you your truths, but I think we e- we all equally have the same power to embody them within. Mm. 
I agree. I, yeah, so, for sure. I, I guess it's just about yeah. being respectful of the fact that that it, you you might be able to embody it as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are there are. I I don't want to dismiss the fact that there are real real in this yes. in this plane in this reality. There are real pressures pushing back against certain people being able to fully embody themselves. And I think that's what we're seeing collectively now is groups of people having those tensions against each other um, and going, no, it's my turn to embody how I want to be on this plane. Um, And though we need that though, right? Mm. Like that's where like the necessity for tension is a law. Because how else does life continue to create without using all of these universal laws, including tension? How does as many individual bodies on this planet, in whatever body they look like, how do they get equal opportunity to express themselves? This is one of those ways Mm. by this tension being expressed. And I think this echoes to back to how do we all live ethically when we all have different ideas of what ethics are. Um, Mm. The fact that that is an occurrence creates tension. And when there is tension, there is growth and expansion. So are we ever going to, in this game, have an experience that exists without tension if tension is a universal law? Mm. so even when it's tension the size of donald trump we can't get personal tension is tension (laughs) even when my lover my husband my dog my mother all disappear from my life in a week that's not real that's still not real still didn't actually happen still just like my game that i'm playing I know it feels really real. It's very painful. I'm going to cry a lot, but it's still not. It still is not the end of my game. This is, this doesn't mean what it says it means. It means what I say it means. So keeping those universal principles, universal principles in mind when you are playing the game of a colored body versus a non-colored body bumping up against each other for their own individual rights. Yeah. Yep. That's painful. That's tough. That hurts. And it's just a play of tension in a game that isn't real anyways. Mm. And holding those two truths creates another version of tension that you have to play with. Yes. I suspect that this is, I suspect, I could be wrong with this, but I suspect this is actually an inherently micro process i think this is inherently like um because to scale up to the macro still gets us into that territory of like telling other people what to do and that tension that comes from like between groups right like trying to express themselves and i there's a notion in the like spiritual community that when you change yourself you change the world basically right and that one person's individual changes do make a difference in the collective because society is literally just a collection of individuals and so if one person can come into a greater understanding of the tension within them and their embodiment and their um 
expression of their embodiment and that kind of thing, um, the then that ripples out and allows other people the space and the ability mm-hmm. to um, come into that understanding in their own time and in their own terms. But that my understanding, because for me, my the only thing that has limited my embodiment is my own mind. And like my mind has been fucking great of a shit at like limiting my embodiment. And so the, like, it's just, um, so I think it might be inherently a micro concept that like implies on a, on a personal level to not take attention personally, as Shauna was saying. Yes. And I think that, even if you take it to the, like, the biggest ma- macroist perspective of like the universe, like the planet Neptune and its tension between Saturn and how it keeps it in its orbit, they don't have any personal feelings about the tension between them. So, I, and I think that's how we scale it, it back down. To where they need to go. Right. Like we, yes, yes yes, here we have these tensions between physical people and their experiences. And it doesn't have to mean anything other than that, other than the thing that keeps us all here together, doing what we're doing, whatever that is. It's a part of what holds us all together. Maybe. Because if the tension wasn't between groups, it would be somewhere else. Because the tension has to exist in order to find understanding. Am I paraphrasing this accurately? Shauna's muted at the moment. But what are you? Where is your head at, Melissa? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense um, to look at. Well, you can only play your own game. Yeah, how yeah, yeah. Once again though, however, knowing that in this in this reality, your game does impact other people. Yeah. And so it's just a decision around your own rule set of if um if you care or not. Yeah, I th- I'm gonna speak exactly to that in this moment of reality because my the the weight of fluid in my bladder was creating so much tension that I couldn't I couldn't engage in what was in front of me. So I had to do something about it. Like I had to go pee in order to continue this game that we're playing. Like you, I don't think mm-hmm. you can, at some point the string's going to break if you have too much tension. And, and that's not a problem because then you just get another string. Like it's, it's a continual process of finding that harmonic value within the experiences of tension over and over and over again just said about um like if we're if we accept the fact that we're like choosing our own rules and that we have our everybody has their own rules but the rules impact other people and like deciding how we value our impacts on other people and that kind of thing i don't Mm -hmm. um hang on the, my opinion on this is stored very far back. Chana, do you have something while I retrieve this out of the archives? Well, that I think was also a moment of dissonance for me within 
P's course was when she highlighted what kind of beneficial impact do you want to make on the world? And that got me to see the connections moving forward, um, bringing it back to the lover that I imagined into my experience. Turns out he's got a girlfriend and he didn't actually know that he was committed to her until he strayed away from her. That's another personal story. The, the point is that when he first told me that I was like, well, I don't know her. Like I, I'm not ever going to know her. She's never going to be a part of my reality. So it doesn't really matter to me. Like your cheating on your girlfriend is not my fucking problem. Um, but now that I do know this, how do I proceed? And had I not had that voice of peace saying, but what about the beneficial impact? Mm, fuck. Like, yeah, I might be getting some of the things that I want from experiencing this person. But what's what dots are connected to that? How far long this string does my strum play? Because I don't care whether I know her or not. I do not want to be complicit in harming a person when I know I could have done otherwise. Hmm. So that was cool. That was even more so how this like create your dream job experience just kept injecting itself in my life. I didn't think a dude was going to be a part of my job. But I, I would love that. I would love for there to be a, a dude included in me living my dream job. Um, and this gave me a moment to experience what that might look like. And, 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 and to look at my beneficial impact on the world. And what does that mean in real time when you are presented with an opportunity like the guy you really like also really like somebody else? Now, now, what do you do? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think beneficial impact frames a little bit differently for me. I think kind of part of my code of ethics that I had, I mislearned it when I learned it in order for me to make sense of this rule, the rule of um, only say behind someone's back, what you would say to their face. That became kind of a universal construct for like, this is the barometer for if you know you are doing something well, would you do it to someone's face? Um, if no, then like you probably shouldn't be doing it. Right. Cause that would, that's kind of that intrinsic barometer on, are you doing harm? And then my brain consulted the peanut butter and jam sandwich in the sky and got some weird feedback on that. And somehow it morphed into, um, I can do terrible things if I am willing to stand in front of the person and say it to their face. And like, if I can make myself hard enough, strong enough, bitchy enough, whatever, to be able to cause harm to someone, then like free ticket, I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. And I can hurt people. And that does not affect me because I am capable of being horrible to their face. And so then it, it doesn't matter. And that's not a fun way to live that's not that's, no, I was just thinking not, that <laughs> that is not enjoyable that is not fun it's like it is not fun um and the moment that it clicked and I realized it wasn't fun was um I had a job where 
um, there was me and three other people um, on a, on a leadership team. And one of the girls in this leadership team, like, did not get the memo. She was not on the same page as the rest of us. She was like a punch in, punch out. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. I don't want anything to do with this outside of work. And this position was a very public facing position. We like, it was, it was with students, like it was with the students association and we had, we needed to be involved in the community. It was not a punch in, punch out job. And, um, so, I mean, we were in this position for a whole year. We, we never, ever, ever got along with this girl. And towards um, the kind of two thirds of the way through the year, me and these two other guys of our team of four uh, were st standing in one of their offices. And it was me and one guy and the other guy was on the phone. And the guy who was on the phone was bitching, was like going off about this girl. Because we thought she was gone, like gone home, whatever. And... I actually didn't say anything. I actually was just like, I like whatever. And these two guys are going on where, and then doesn't she walk into the room? And it's like, and she of course was irate and like gave us crap and ran away crying. And like, as she, this, there was bad things being said. And it was just fascinating though, in that moment to realize this barometer is like Baroque because that didn't feel good. And that was to her face. And like, what are you doing with your life? Because I didn't even have to do the thing in order to feel the guilt for it. And um, so that really called into question for me, like, how am I operating? And what is this? What is this set of rules? And it took a long time to kind of piece it out. But um, then only realizing since doing peace container that this rule was totally broken in my head and that it's not about you know being able to put yourself in a position where you need to take accountability for things that it's being able to operate in a world in the world where you are excited to have the beneficial impact you're excited to um do the thing that you want to say to someone's face that you want to mm -hmm. be accountable with and that that accountability isn't a weapon against you, that that accountability mm -hmm. is the way that you build friendships and that accountability is the way that you, you know, trust a lover and like that you come into connection with the world around you is actually that piece. I don't know. That's been my experience with it. I like that that like it it gave accountability another flavor like i don't yeah. like olives so it turned it from olives into strawberries like it wasn't something that you I had, had to things. do <laughs> you could turn olives into more olives in my world there you go um, <laughs> yeah it wasn't something that you had to suffer through as a result of it was something that you now look forward to doing because you intended to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that came from that kind of to bring it back to ethics that I believed that like this girl needed to adhere to the way that the rest, like, the, like she was such an odd person out in this whole concept. And so the, but I really needed her to adhere to our group think in order to, I don't know what the fuck I was trying to do. Um, but like, I really needed that. Just the boxes. Really 
boxes. It is containers, oh, yes. right? We just we ha- we need them for certain things for certain reasons, and maybe we're not using them in the right times in the right ways. So, Melissa, I'm curious what your experience of this has been. I know that you come from a very you have a different background. You have a different you come from a different place on the planet than we do. Like what, New Zealand, specifically. What your experience of this specifically. <laughs> um. My experience of? Like, um, knowing how your rules of the game impact others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think, um, I think where I come from and where I'm kind of just floating with this idea, it hasn't really landed yet, is two places, um, my sort of Filipino culture and upbringing is is very collectivist. It's very much about family and about your barangay, your village. Um, overlaid over that, um, I was born and grew up in, in Aotearoa, in New Zealand, and um, Māori dim here, uh, um, indigenous culture here, is also very... Um, connected to the whenua, connected to the land, connected to each other. Um, both of those cultures are not, do not, the rules of those, the rules of the, their game, you could say, in this context of this podcast, are not individualists. Mm. It's they're not individual. They're not playing an individual game, and that's where I was trying to get with some of that line of questioning and, and thinking is that. And I'm, it's not to say that one is right or wrong, and and how you know it's more of how do we move from a place of one set of rules being more dominant than another to a space of you can live your own set of rules. Um, and they can live against mine with some tension. And we can learn within that tension. Um, I guess, yeah, the kind of where the alarm bells and things go off for me is that any time it's the danger of some of these spaces is that they're very, there's a lot of navel-gazing. It's a lot of inward-looking and a lot Mm. of, you know, self-discovery and self you know self-actualization and I want to live out my rules and I'll be fucked if anyone's going to stop me but like that's just not that's just completely incongruent with the reality of this plane in terms of if we all did that from a western patriarchal capitalistic perspective that we have grown up in I mean we'll be swimming with the fishes pretty soon yes um, so I think for me, it's just around like, absolutely. Like we have experienced creating our own reality and yeah, how, but how do we be stewards of that and recognize the other rules of the game that we don't know about yet Yeah, that we might want to apply to our own? Um, how we, how do we be respectful of the other rules in, that are living beside us? Mm-hmm. Um, within us, the rules of the rules of the trees, the rules of the mushrooms, the rules of 
our pets, the rules of not just the people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I have a question. Um, you spoke about how this um, belief system that we consider all is culturally where you grew up in did you was that your experience growing up where all of your family members considered all your neighbors considered all your community oh no 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 no, okay no no, no. I'm no 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 (laughs) well then my question doesn't exist then I was gonna say how no how does that show up no it it doesn't I didn't grow up in the Philippines um I'm an only child on my mother's side I have six siblings on my father's side. Um, he's, he's a New Zealander. He's white. Um, in terms of the indigenous culture in New Zealand, from a wider perspective, you know, Māoridom is, is in living, living from a treaty led perspective, mm. um, is only really, it's only really kind of coming to the forefront now. Mm-hmm. Like, Obviously, there's been a tireless amount of work um, from Manafenua leading up to now that I that I'm I don't I'm not aware of. I'm only aware of you know where we're at now. Um, but no, 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 no. Uh, I just know what you know. I I know how. Um, yeah, I know what an existence would be like in the, in, in the Philippines, let's say, as opposed to me speaking on on Indigenous mm-hmm. culture here. Um, you've, it's a, it's yeah, there it's just a more collectivist attitude. Um, yeah, I think a lot of Eastern Eastern cultures are like that. The rules of the game are, are not um, the rules of the game collectively are about the collective and not about the individual so much. I like how you also inserted that operating from that set of rules includes a lot of navel gazing. Um, I tend to agree when I was in teacher training, yoga teacher training, we were learning about all these stages of enlightenment and the growth of the soul, et cetera, et cetera, and how it takes lifetimes to reach some of the higher planes. And I argued that Mm. because the way that some of these higher planes are described sounds a lot like my mushroom trips. And I've been doing that since I was 15. So what really is the difference here? I don't want to wait X amount of lifetimes to experience something that it sounds like I've already experienced. Like I want that level now. And then within a matter of months, I was unplugged from the matrix and in the psych ward. And that showed me that I do have some level of power in creating my experience here. And hearing what you're saying now adds color to that story in that I was coming at it from a very Western perspective, from like, I got shit to do. Like, can we just hurry mm-hmm. this up? Yes. I'm not, I'm, I don't have time to navel gaze my way through all these levels of existence. I want it here now. Now. And life was like, okay. Um, so I wonder, maybe you have an opinion for this. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's just an etherical question. But I wonder what the balance between 
a Trump driven lifestyle and the Philippine culture driven lifestyle you just spoke about, like what's the balance in between that tension? Like what, what might that look like in everyday life? We're not all navel gazing, but we're also not stepping on everybody that isn't us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think there is, there is a balance and I think that's what we're all, I think, that's what we're all trying to figure out whether we know it or not. Yeah. You know, like I caught up with some friends from high school last night and um, they also have young children. Um, they come from different backgrounds, um, but we obviously had to have a shared experience of going to high school together and um even there with people that you would, you know, I don't think any of them would ever, as far as I'm aware, jump into something like um, Peas Container. Mm. But they are posing very similar questions mm. in probably a more a more literal, less nebulous sense. Yeah. But they are still wondering, man, I've got a lot on my plate right now. Like, how do I do less and be more present? Like, gee, what kind of life are my kids going to have? Like, how do we make that better? You know, like that. I feel like the um, asking of all those questions from people who live in so many different experiences of reality allow portals like what P does to exist as an invitation or an opportunity to say, hey, maybe this is a way to answer your question. And even if all of the askers are not finding their answers through somebody like P, we are. And we're sharing our knowledge with others. Mm -hmm. And we continue to distill the answer to this massive question in a million different ways so that billions of people can hear it in their own way and figure out how to have less on their plate and live a little bit more. And I yeah. feel like I have a hypothesis on that tension between the, the individualist and collectivist lifestyle and that kind of thing. I have a suspicion that we're moving towards a collectivist system that is not defined by geographic borders or like your blood heritage, that kind of thing, but by chosen family, essentially that like you, you are, when you're able to consciously choose the people and like, maybe it is your entire blood family and like fucking a, but, um, the, when you can consciously choose the people who you're connected to and who are your like ride or die, these are my collective. These are the people who we share values and are, you know, and we will can have our groups with, I have a suspicion that that strengthens the, um, the bonds between us and brings those rules of the game into a sense of harmony that allows us to interact because there's no geographic, requirement for that like we're all and do you think that's now. where like that's where like the virtual world yes and like ai and that yes. type of thing might yeah yeah, yeah. Facilitate I, think we're, that. 
I don't think we're getting away from a virtual world or an AI or a virtual reality world. I think that that is going to be an additional layer to what happens in our real mm. lives. I was reading like literally exactly like what's happening right now. Yeah, like this right now. Like <laughs> right, because what Sean Exhibit was saying a. was how like P is P has the the portal opens for somebody like P to answer those questions and like Melissa, you have been through that. And so you get to have the conversation with what I would call your secular friends um, to and put it in that context. And that is your collective. Those are your mm, people mm-hmm. on one level. And so the seeding and the weaving that happens through the larger society, because the questions are being asked, the portal opens, the questions are being asked over here and the portal opens over here. And then we exist in the middle to weave the web and to connect it and to find mm. the chosen collectives that like consciously chosen collectives on the literal physical 3d Mm -hmm. sense of how that all weaves together and that's where that new reality comes from as a collective Mm. as a bold statement i'm gonna i'm gonna stand behind that i i feels good i want to i want to add to that by saying like if we were to use the idea that your high school friends are a group of people that you choose, you chose to experience this life with before you came into this body. Um, Mm. Your role in this group is to be the cosmonaut explorer, to go down portals like P the fairy and come out with the gold to spread amongst the tribe. And you're Mm. the one who has those skills, um, et cetera, et cetera. And because your bond with these people goes back to before real life happened, um, there's a sense of trust and faith that you all have in each other that is not connected to your real lives with your children and your husbands and your jobs and this. Like you guys all used to just dream about life together. And so mm. that's a that's a bond in this plane. Mm that allows for you to travel to other planes and bring back the gold for everybody. Like, mm. like there in anchor. And that's a beautiful way to look at, look at friendships and, and family and new friends and old friends, you know. Mm-hmm. We're nodding for anyone that's listening. <laughs> <laughs> There's nodding happening. New friends and old friends. I think that is exactly where I want to leave it. I, that just like, that just hit of like the weaving of the old friends and the new friends and the family. And like, yeah, that did it for me. Do you guys have anything, you, any famous last words you'd like to add? I mean, cheers to the peanut butter and jelly in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Have faith. All right. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today. And thank you to all of our listeners for sticking around with us and listening through this episode. Um, We'll be back next week on Thursday with another conversation with friends about how we apply spiritual concepts in everyday lives and talk through everything that goes along with that. Um, So like, follow, subscribe, wherever you're listening or watching, um, and we will see you again next time. Yay.